0: Real People is produced by Square Holes, an agency conducting and publishing customized explorative research on key consumer markets, customers, and population segments. Square Holes also provides associated consulting and support to ignite positive business and social behaviour change. Visit Squareholes.com for more.
1: Radio, hello there. My name is Jason Dunstone and welcome to Real People. Where we interview average and not so average people, academics, researchers, and leading thinkers to help us better understand what real people believe and how they behave. Today, Andre noel Shekhar joins us from Finland, author of acclaimed books, including The Finnish Miracle, which explores Finland's success in building a strong and successful culture. In today's interview, Andre shares his story as a young boy growing up in Montreal, becoming a member of the New York bar, leading two major scientific organizations and becoming a successful entrepreneur. Being the leading force in many science, technology, gaming and sports related startup ventures, and he has worked with some of the world's largest IT companies, including Nokia, Microsoft and IBM, and is now globally in demand and an award winning speaker. It was great to sit down on the couch of Andre during a gap at Hybrid World Adelaide in South Australia, overlooking the beautiful River Torrens and Adelaide Oval to discuss wide-ranging topics from the importance of a strong education system, embracing global opportunities. Why is Finland uniquely successful from its historic adversity? What makes a livable city? How to make dreams come true? If we can move beyond the status quo and much, much more, let's not waste a moment. On with the show.
0: Hit it. That's what I'm talking about. Wait. Okay, now from the beginning.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Andre. It's sort of a pleasure to have you here from from Finland. So can I can I go right right back to the beginning? Yes. What thank were you. you like as a young boy?
0: I was shy. You were shy. I, I, I was a, a shy boy, and I was uh, traumatized by my family's decision when i was five years old to move from the, the 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 french-speaking part of montreal which is the majority of the city to the west western part of montreal which is where our english-speaking minority lives and the idea for my my uh, teacher parents was well you know our four kids will speak english better and a nice plan of a very uh a very intelligent plan from educators the problem is is that you know back in the early 70s uh uh things were tough for us yeah, we, we, you know there were terrorists on the street uh uh it was, it was the rise of nationalism in uh, in Quebec for for a free Quebec uh, and the english neighbors didn't quite like the fact that we moved there and i was 5 years old and my name changed it was no longer andré noël chacker my name became the fucking frog that was my name for several years until uh until uh, english uh, was beaten into me, or at least my accent beaten out of me, and I'm very grateful to uh, to my to my neighbors for that that uh, that beginning um, because it made me stronger. And in, in the end, I, I I ended up I ended up um, studying law at McGill University, which is uh, our oldest English uh, university. And the guys who were beating me up, uh, Ricky and the others, my my, my neighbors, ended up. Uh, ended up actually uh, spending time in jail in Ontario. So maybe I learned something. Maybe they, yeah. they didn't. So it's... Uh, it was, uh,
1: that, that, that challenging childhood shaped who you are and absolutely. made you stronger? A- absolutely. It, could... it
0: made me strongly bilingual, for, for one, and, and, and uh, very aware of other cultures immediately, yes. and uh, having to learn fast and adapt quickly to your environment and, uh, and, and deal with conflict uh, in... in, in uh, course in survival mode and sometimes but also you know it, it i i think it, it it's the the root of my of my uh diplomatic uh career uh, as a as a business leader and as a yeah. as a as an, as an influencer in the nordics it uh it really prepared me for that yeah. very well so
1: the child the childhood informs the adult so yeah. so if i look at your bio go you go from the child there, or well, not that is not, not in your nearby, but so we've got a little bit of extra insight. But yeah. and you as a global trotting entrepreneurial mentor mm-hmm. and speaker, mm-hmm. and I noticed sort of you were a lawyer or you're you're a lawyer. So, yes. uh, so uh, what, what sort, of, sort of the key steps that have created the man in front of me today?
0: Well, of course, that, there's 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 uh, Quebec and, and and Canada, and uh, uh, both parents being in, in education. My father was a professor of. Of uh, of literature at McGill University, my my mom was a school teacher, um, and uh, from there from there there's a there's a will maybe to to prove myself uh, and to uh, excel uh, and and to do something that none of my Finnish, uh, none of my English speaking neighbors uh, uh, would have ever dreamt of doing in, in that difficult neighborhood was to to get accepted at McGill Law School uh, very young and i was really eager to to succeed and and um very driven I, and i even became a member of the new york bar and then something absolutely dramatic happened is that i got a phone call phone call from finland and it wasn't a, a, even a beautiful finnish woman calling me just and saying something nice like come and get me or something no it was a it was a bald Finnish scientist who asked me to come and lead an international scientific organization in Finland. And the criteria for this was interesting. And the reason why he found me was that this person had to be a young lawyer, so meaning a cheap lawyer. This person had to be, uh, had to speak perfect English, perfect French. Because we had offices in many French speaking uh, uh, cities in Europe, in Brussels, in Paris, in Geneva, and in Lausanne, and French was a big asset. And he had hired a Belgian lawyer, a young Belgian lawyer to to do the job, but um, he made a big mistake because there was one criteria that he forgot, that if you are asking somebody to move and work in Finland, that person has to be winter resistant. (laughs) And where are you gonna find a person with that criteria? Uh, Yeah, French Canada is a good place to start, and uh, I was recommended to him and the rest is history. That was 25 years ago, and I, I became the secretary general of the International Council of Sport Sciences. And uh, I was lobbying governments. I was uh, r- raising capital for science uh, throughout the world. I I organized the pre-Olympic scientific conference before the Sydney Games here in Australia. So I came quite often, and I and actually I ended up uh, setting up WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, um, in 2000 two for the Sydney, uh, Sydney Games. So yeah, that's my very very unusual unusual yeah, beginning in in life. That's right.
1: So sort do of, you go with the the rivers that and, and how they flow and the opportunities put in front of you? Absolutely.
0: Well, you, you you work hard and, and you you stay open minded as I, I, I as I spoke about today in, in my in my talk. I, I really believe in, in remaining open. I mean, you, you need to train this. You, uh, you need to train your openness muscle as I call it to make sure that you you don't miss out on opportunities that you don't close yourself off to. To uh, the good things that could come your way uh, just because you don 't understand them or don't see them
1: yep that's great you're based in Finland now sort of your home base mm-hmm. what's um what's Finland like so how would you describe the culture of finland
0: it, it, it's a, it's a very open culture it's a very uh, um, trustworthy culture it's a culture that values uh, Competence. It's a meritocracy. It's driven by quality of education, quality of, of, of research and development, both at the corporate level and at the personal level. It's a, it's a culture that values uh, um, the human being in in a holistic way, meaning uh, a lot of free time, a lot of uh, a lot of sports, a lot of. Uh, uh, healthy eating. I've I become a much healthier person after I had <laughs> moved from, from North America to, to Finland. And, and uh, should I say, despite all this, it's a high-performing culture. It's a yeah. high-performing uh, nation um, from a corporate perspective, from a, a social perspective, from a technological perspective, extremely high-performing for a population of 5.5 million yeah. uh, near the North Pole, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's remote, it's small, but it's high-performing. And it has all these wonderful values, so it's 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 a joy to live there. Yeah. It, if you it, like the winter. Yeah.
1: yeah. So how, to, how let's say how cold we're um, we're in Adelaide. The sort of a cold day well, is this would be maybe a bad, five degrees. This would be
0: this would be a, <laughs> this would be a bad summer for us. Yeah. Right. What, what's going on what's, here? What's the where? weather
1: in Finland that you start putting shorts on? <laughs>
0: Well, right now, it, it's, it's abnormally hot. So so 30 degrees and everybody's melting, right? Yeah. Like it's, okay. it's, it's very, very unusual. All the way up to the North Pole, in the Rovaniemi, it's 30 degrees, which is very unusual. Usually, you'll have a maximum of 25 degrees Celsius for the summer. And we can go as... as, as in, in the Helsinki region, it can go as low as 25 degrees below zero. Mm. Um, and uh, and we, we live very well with that. Actually, we, we welcome sub-zero... Sub-zero winters because that means we have snow, we can ski, we can play hockey uh, in outdoor ice rinks. Uh, Winter is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful season if it's a proper winter.
1: Do cultures grow organically, like almost in a biological sense, or do they need to be nudged and guided by government, the people, commercial?
0: I think it's both uh, nature and nurture. Uh, you, 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 it comes from uh, your, your history, your cultural background, uh, uh, the, the geography of the place. Uh, the, the, they have an effect. Obviously, uh, they um, they are not, of course, sufficient to guide you towards uh, a place where you'd rather be as a nation or as, as as a person. And the nurturing, the nurturing of the Finnish nation comes from. A lot of the adversity that, that they have that they have faced, I believe that one of the most formative things that that occurred for the Finnish nation is, sadly enough, their civil war, which also marks uh, the, the beginning of the of, of nationhood for them. It, it's great that Finland is celebrating 100 years, or now it's going to be 101 years uh, in, in December this year. Um, but a hundred years ago, it was a nation in uh, in a very, very deep in very uh, in a very bloody conflict, a, a mm-hmm. civil war between the communists and, and and what they call the white conservatives uh, that actually won that war, but at great human costs. As sad as that is, what that brought about was a systematic need to reconciliate and to find a way to live with each other. Therefore bringing the best of both worlds, best of what socialism can bring mm. but also the best of what capitalism can bring to the societal uh, table as it were. So what's happening in the 20s in, especially in Finland is Diametrically opposed to what 's happening in Germany at the same time, where there are two extremes fighting bloodily against each other, the extreme right and the extreme left and, and these are are actually trying to find each other in in, uh, in Finland, and this this formative uh, s- uh, social pact is the origin of the sustainable approach to capitalism. That is practiced in, in Finland. It is one where you you see your socialist approach as a competitive advantage for your capitalist objectives, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that is a, a rare combination. It's 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 also the case of uh, in in other Nordic countries, but I, I think that the Finns were were uh, very ready to implement this because of this. S- this national drama that happened mm. to them—that
1: that burning deck or that burning platform—yes,
0: that, that right. very much burning is a good is a good <laughs> word. Is a good word indeed. You know, it was it was a very bloody civil war. Uh, but
1: still, you must need open-minded leaders. At the time, it sounded like it, obviously there is a need to make that change, but yeah. they have. It could have gone a different route, and the leaders might have a different perspective. And and
0: and, and, and a few other accidents in history had, had brought brought to bear intelligent decisions. One was uh, a defeat of the nation against the Soviet Union. Uh, uh, you know, they they were fighting, actually, along alongside uh, at least for for a, for a while with. Uh, the, uh, the German army uh, until they had to kick them out of Finland because uh, they had made peace with uh, the Soviet Union. But what that brought to bear was a uh, huge uh, war debts fines uh, that the Soviet Union put upon the Finns that had to uh, retool and, and, and create industries from nothing to pay back their debts. So um, uh, a shipbuilding industry, a metal industry, a pulp and paper industry, mm-hmm. from scratch. Uh, it was a six-day working week in Finland from in the fifties and the sixties, where after paying their debts in, in in goods and services, had an infrastructure, a technological platform uh, for for success, mm-hmm. and and that created uh, a, a huge a huge uh, rise in the. Uh, in the quality of life, and the quality of, uh, of, of the Finnish society that had practically a, uh, an exclusive deal to supply the Soviet Union in, in quality goods and services uh, mm. from their relative West. So that, that was, a, that was a, a great accident in history. But what it also required from building an infrastructure was an investment in people. Uh, Finland doesn't have uh, you know, the Norwegian oil or, or easily uh, transformable resources. All resources needed technology, and technology needs educated people. So there's a massive investment in education as a source of survival uh, to, to pay these war debts, but then again to, to, to rise from poverty. From, from, and, and that really created another human platform, For success, that was based on education, higher education, R and D, openness to the world for new for new technologies uh, and new markets. So that really was um, the the very wise leaders that you point to, uh, deciding that hey, this is the way to go if we want to succeed as a society and survive Mm. as a society.
1: So that foundation of that society is a really strong educational system. A- absolutely is that right so yeah. what, what what what's your sort of take on what, what what makes a strong education system a lot of our work is around education so we do work from early child up to oh, primary wow. school and high okay. school and up to uh, up to tertiary as well so so if you kind of what what would you sort of say let's let's say for for children what what's, what's a, what what makes a good good education at a fundamental level
0: i, I often say that uh, you know education in finland is is great not because it's from Finland, but because it's in Finland. Right? <laughs> okay. and, 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 be, and because of the success drivers uh, that exist in that country, the education system uh, it has also been triumphant compared to other countries. Of course, it's never perfect. And what's great about the Finns is that when you tell them that they're number one in the world, they're always surprised mm-hmm. and saying, wow, this is crap. Is the rest of the world so bad, really? <laughs> you know? yeah, and yeah, they're, yeah. they're constantly putting into question everything. And I think that's the reason why they're on top in many in many industries. But so questioning. Many, so so questioning
1: it's like questioning and curiosity. The, and they
0: are always critical. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it hard to be a... Positively you know, critical? Uh, I, I would say smartly critical. Okay. Uh, very, they're very incisive in, in their ana- analysis, and they will. F- they they love to find flaws. They're, they're extremely well educated. Yeah. So it actually it's hard to be an inspirational speaker as I am in that country because you really have to be on top <laughs> of your game because you know they they're not gonna they're not gonna. And does that flow through to the school students as well uh, about uh, them uh, questioning uh, things? Uh, and and yeah, they are mm, perhaps not not sufficiently. Uh, I, I think that we would need a, a more debating culture, but there is a, definitely a, a culture of uh, deep learning and learning, and, and also learning to be a human being. What's uh, the, the secret of the, the Finnish education system is, uh, uh, well, many insights. One is that less is more for education. That surprisingly, when you give more free time to students and more free time to, to teachers to prepare or to do other things and to develop themselves physically and culturally, and then when they come back to class, which is in elementary school, sometimes you know eight to one in the afternoon, you know, and then they leave and they do other things. Uh, you create performance, you know, greater, greater, better outcomes, better educational outcomes in reading, science, uh, and mathematics mm. by doing less uh, in terms of contact hours. Also, in terms of spending less uh, because you have less hierarchy. This was another uh, uh, you know, blessing in disguise when Finland was in, in deep economic recession, when that, those good years ended with the, the fall of the Soviet Union. They, they lost their biggest customer, and that put them into, into a deep recession, causing uh, the education system to, to, to have to cut somewhere. Where did they cut? They, they cut in the bureaucracy. They, they cut in the, in the constant testing of children. That they believe was part of the quality control that we see in other countries. And surprise, surprise! When you gave autonomy to teachers and you trusted them, to, you know, to uh, to do a good job, um, the children performed better, mm. a lot better. Yeah. So it, there's very little testing, there's very little bureaucracy. Uh, the teachers are well paid, are very are highly respected in that culture still today, and 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 that creates a, 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 you know a, a winning formula that is surprising. Uh,
1: There are a number of lists around that are livable cities, uh, livable city lists. What makes a livable city in your mind?
0: Uh, It it is one that is focused on the human being and his or her experience as a citizen and one that makes sure that that person has a platform to actualize him or herself. Uh, And... And, and to create balance in in in, in the living experience, uh, make sure that that the logistics to work and back, that the access to to critical services, uh, education, uh, health, social, uh, and a- also recreational um, uh, activities are close by and affordable and open to all. Hmm. Uh, that makes a livable city. And that's what you'll see that most Scandinavian cities, northern cities, are, are based on these principles.
1: So living a, living a good, positive life. Absolutely. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. And investing in that, and, and especially investing in one that is open to all. Uh, I, I, one other thing that, that comes into the, to the education system is also part of our success as a nation is equality between men and women. Uh, openness to, uh, to, to, to everyone uh, regardless of your background to make a contribution based on meritocracy, on, on your ability on your capability to do things not where you're from or what's your gender or what's the city where you come from in the country mm-hmm, or from mm-hmm. elsewhere in the world it's, it's an open it's an yeah. open culture and, and services in, in, a, in a livable city also need to reflect that, it's, yeah. they have to be open
1: so, not, so it sounds like so it's not uh, Australians will say, "All work and no play makes Jacket a, a dull boy." It's almost like working smarter, not harder. Is that is that right? Or
0: I, I, I well, I, in my in my talk, I talk about working harder and smarter. Harder and smarter. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. And and it's always the case, especially when you, maybe from a startup perspective, it, it always makes sense to work harder and smarter. Uh, and, and I think that um, uh, in, a con- in, in a in a in um, a environment where There is high tech, there is high education, there is high research, there is a good positive culture based on trust. Which I think is one of the main drivers of the the Nordic sex success story is that these are societies where people trust each other. They are happy to pay tax in a common pool because there is transparency, there there is accountability, uh, there is competence, uh, there is kindness, and these things make people trust the the, the mm-hmm. system in, in which they, uh, they they are involved. And and these are the drivers for for a good life for everyone and where you're extracting the best from everyone and that makes you competitive long-term
1: yeah it's a really interesting concept a lot of work we do in australia and, and beyond and there's a few indexes i think elderton index it talks about trust is declining with our governments yes. and our and our corporates how does finland government etc build trust when everybody else is failing or, or struggling?
0: Yeah, I, uh, to build trust, and, 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 and just quoting a lot of a lot of literature on this, Francis Fukuyama on on, on, on his research on, on corporate trust. Uh, you know, Francis is a, is, an, is, an, is a Japanese American who looked at Japanese companies mm. and American companies, especially car makers, and wondered why are the Japanese outperforming the Americans, and it had a lot to do with the, with the trust index within that, within those organizations. Uh, uh, Rachel Bossman from this country doing a lot of work on trust and and, and, and and why are these new startup companies why have they been so successful in in the sharing economy for example Uber and Airbnb and and, and the like it's because we've been able to encode a higher level of trust in that in that technology and in that platform so. What you need to do is is to make sure that in your organization, in your city, in your country, that there is a high level of transparency. I think that's the number one thing. Transparency is key. Uh, we just, I just, we just did a, a tour of uh, our most successful companies in Finland, uh, in, in the high growth companies in Finland with KPMG, and almost every city's top startups would tell us that. We want to create. We we we, want, we came. We wanted to create a company where it would be great to work, and where everything would be transparent for everyone. You know, in terms is that
1: financial of, tra- transparency, uh, financial
0: transparency, strategic uh, transparency. You know what what we're about. You know where we're going, and how people are compensated is completely transparent. Mm-hmm. In Finland, your income and your income tax is public knowledge. It is published in a national newspaper right, every year okay. per yeah, second. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's completely transparent. Right. What the government does is completely transparent at all times, you know, and that this transparency creates a, a dissipation of doubt yeah, as to you know what what people are doing. And when you have that, that 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 is really great. I think that the other way to, to create trust is competence that you actually deliver deliver on what you promise and you have that, that competence to, to deliver that. Uh, I, I also uh, believe that, that uh, the trust that we, we, uh, we develop within our societies is to inject a dose of kindness. Yeah. You know, a, a dose of a kindness where you're leaving more on the table than you're asking for every time. And that creates a huge amount of trust in people, saying, "Wow, they didn't need to do that; they still did it. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a great company! What a great corporate citizen! What a great corporate citizen! What a great citizen that person is!" Uh, when our, our startup companies—I uh, uh, I mentioned this in my talk—you know, the, the, the founders of Supercell—they're you know they're six years old, and now they're the biggest taxpayers in Finland. And they come up in front of the media and say, "Yeah, I made 100 million last year. Mm. I'm the biggest, uh, you know, taxpayer in the country because I I paid 60 million of that 100 million in taxes. And I'm proud of this. And I'll do it again next year, hopefully. Maybe I'll pay more and I'll be happier. And that's a kind of entrepreneurship that is unlike any other in the world. It's Mm. it's one that is socially conscious uh, for the long term. That's right."
1: And that's almost like a philosophy that almost needs to see those businesses right from the start. Yes. To, in their culture to, and their founders to, yeah, to, 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 yeah. to get it going through. But they, it. but they
0: receive a lot, you see. They, they, are, they are very open because, first of all, they get uh, six years of university for free. Mm. They get in. Yeah. Right? So there's a meritocracy. You have to get in. I mean, you, you have to show competence. So that's part of building trust, mm. and it's a meritocracy. But then you get a six, the equivalent – everybody gets the equivalent of a six-year – Scholarship at university to do whatever they want, right? Uh, so they receive that as a as a freebie. Then you know they go out there, they start a company, they get state funding, you know, on top of the private funding to the tune of one or two million if they if they have mm. if they show promise. And then if they succeed, they they feel that they they want to give back. They they've received a lot, and it feels natural for them to give back what they've made. Right?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, And and you know and and they feel that you know 40 million out of 100 is, is is sufficient for them this year
1: yeah
0: uh you know and that's great yeah
1: so it's not just about blind faith it's about yeah. it's about having that trust that competency yes. there's the kindness all wrapped yes. in together and C- then that correct. Kind of builds that up yeah. correct it's interesting in some of the discussions about uh, technology and entrepreneurship and even you look at the, the likes of an uber or an airbnb or, or or others and everybody wants to create their own unicorn or their own billion dollar business but often it's about the the growth and the money side. And I wonder sort of how much is actually kind of thinking about the human side. And I get, I'm always sort of interested in, I guess, in what we do is about the human side of going, who drives change? Is it the people driving change? Or is the te- does the technology drive the change?
0: Let me just sort of technology say. has to serve humanity. Yeah. That's, the, that's the driver if you are developing technology for technology's sake, you will lose money mm-hmm. because you're not, you're not having an impact. You, you need a greater why, an understanding of why you're developing this technology and what it's going to solve. Uh, I, I've been involved in so many tech uh, enterprises that solved no problems. They were just, you know, young students on steroids, you know, and really excited about something new they discovered. But having found a way yet to, to make that relevant for the human experience, and it's and it's when you're, it's not, it's not a philo- philosophical issue. It's, it's it's a business issue. You know, you will not solve a real problem. Uh, just by tr- developing technology for the, for uh, for the fun of it, that being said there's a lot to to, to, uh, um, to say about the great work universities are doing to develop technologies and, and scientific research that have n- no application today and we've done that very effectively in Finland where for ten 20 thirty years, especially in in, in biofuels and, and biotechnology you know we're using stuff that that our agency, that agency, our, our, our scientific agencies, um, developed in the 80s, in mm-hmm. the 90s, uh, thinking, you know, maybe maybe one day we can use this. So that, that there's also value in that, but in in the end, uh, uh, the, the most successful uh, technological ende- in technolo- technological endeavors are those that will serve, you know, the human experience. Mm-hmm.
1: Is there more of a responsibility or an increasing responsibility of uh, entrepreneurs and bigger corporations and even, I guess, government uh, to identify and address sort of social kind of issues that are coming from technology? I'm talking about things like um, social media addiction or, or other areas there where the technology provides such a great opportunity and such a great platform and uh, more access to opportunities than ever before. But on this, on the flip side... Um, people are becoming addicted, and they're getting distracted, and, and it's causing mental kind of health issues. Maybe sort of what, what do you sort of think there is? There, is there, whose responsibility is it to kind of look at those kind of complexities going
0: through? Well, I think that's the the uh, the, the border between uh, the realm of uh, uh, politics and social policy. And uh, entrepreneurship and, and business, and and we we need to balance those things out constantly, and, but they also bring an opportunity where uh, you know where our social responsibility and the strife of the millions becomes an opportunity for our entrepreneurs, and, mm. and that's where you know a, a lot of tech entrepreneurs because of their you know. Mm, mm, frame of mind don't always capture you know we uh, you know peop- people who are involved in the technology of banking for example never came up with the idea of you know microbanking that came from elsewhere it came from social activists from from mm-hmm. who, who you know who came up with a, a new mechanism to empower the poor empower women with a new technology to transform uh, an, an entire banking system, an entire monetary system throughout Africa and Asia, mm-hmm. and that doesn't come from people who who think uh, with a close, fairly closed mind about how they can optimize, you know, their uh, their profits within a banking industry which is very narrowly, narrowly defined. And now with blockchain, it, it, it'll, be the next, it'll be the next frontier. And they better be aware because I, I think that, that they have a lot to lose if they don't open their minds to the possibilities and how we can empower the entire planet, people from all walks of life, and especially those who need it the most, uh, and, and turn that into a business opportunity mm-hmm. through financial innovation. And, and that's something that escapes people who are driven only by creating the next billion-dollar company. It happens by finding how you solve problems, and and also the problems of the poor can actually make you rich.
1: Yeah, yeah. So having that strong entrepreneurial ecosystem means that I'm going to sort of the entrepreneurs or innovators can find like seeds of ideas that can like resolve social wrongs or can. Yeah, help make life life easy, or, or can do a whole lot of different things. That and society society's constantly evolving with those entrepreneurs. Is and, that right? And yeah.
0: Absolutely. And we, we need more of those social innovations. Uh, and okay, you, you don't have to, to, to build a, a billion dollar company. I think you you can solving these wicked problems. But you can you know do sm- small things. Uh, there was you know there was one uh, uh, social entrepreneurship uh, company here that didn't make it to the finals. And I thought it was fascinating what they were trying to do. But they, they had a very, you know, because they were socially driven, uh, a lot of their, of their speak was, you know, do gooding uh, objectives, which is great. But you, there, there is a, a way of embedding that kind of lofty purpose into a profit making platform. And I, I tried to coach them, and I think that we're gonna, we found a way for them to encode this social purpose into a profit-making software, a pro- profit-making technology that addresses a very important problem uh, in society. So it's really making these people aware of the opportunities of technology to tackle something that seems like a very you know, lofty goal of making society a better place. You know? yeah. and, and, it's, it's, and that's where the, 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 the opportunities for growth Lie. It's 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 putting these kinds of entrepreneurs uh, uh, closer together with uh, pure tech entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and see what they what they can do in terms of creating new solutions for for the growing social problems we have around the world. So
1: how can we? Yeah. So it's almost so for a social entrepreneur, it's how do we how do we fund it? How do we pay the bills? How do we commercialize it? How do we how do we grow it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, That's good. Do do you see? obviously in your global travels, uh, cultural differences, sort of particularly kind of notable cultural differences between, like, Western world and, and non-English-speaking world, for example? Or very very
0: like, much so. Yeah. Very much so. And one, one striking, striking cultural difference is something I saw when I was, I was working with Huawei this year uh, and last year. Huawei... Come into Finland. Come but has come into Finland and has actually taken over two R and D centers uh, and just basically sucked in all of the, the great brains uh, from from Nokia and brought them into two centers of excellence in R and D that that are doing a lot of work, a lot of good technologically uh, advanced work for them. Um, and you know, I I, I couldn't help. Thinking since I had worked for Nokia and, and Nokia ultimately bought my my, 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 my company yeah. uh, that you know they have achieved what Nokia wanted to achieve and Huawei was a was a, um, a five hundred dollars startup in nineteen eighty eight from Shenzhen mm. to a, a huge global and dominant player. With 87 billion in turnover this year, yeah. uh, so it's it's incredible how they've achieved this, and I believe that there's something to be said about a social purpose that is embedded in that company. We we tend to be skeptical in the Western world from with, with uh, you know, the Chinese government involvement and and also in in, uh, in um, in employee empowerment and, and shareholding, and it's all very nebulous to us. But one thing that, that, that definitely was part of the demise of, of Nokia was a, 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 a Western-style governance of the company based on maximi- maximizing shareholder value from quarter to quarter where you lose sight of your purpose, your social purpose, which is to continuously develop the best possible technologies at the best possible price uh, for your operators, for people who want to communicate, in, in, in the case of Nokia. And what happened, uh, well, you know, actually there's, a, there's a, a, a documentary out there uh, from last year in Finland trying to expose what went wrong with Nokia. There are 18 good reasons uh, explaining why that happened, but one definitely is is the corporate structure, an American North American style thinking, where, you know, you are in it for the the quick gain. And what Nokia did uh, at one point it was to buy its own shares to the tune of 19 billion, with the only purpose of you know augmenting shareholder value on the short term. When they when Huawei, with no such pressure, put those kinds of, of, of funds and, and, and tens of billions more into developing developing pure, exciting new technologies to make telecoms truly more effective in terms of the, the technology power that they were providing at a much lower price. Mm-hmm. And that's where their focus was. So I think this cultural difference between East and West needs to be understood, and, and it's, it explains the rise of the East and, and, to a certain extent, the decline of the West in, in some cases.
1: So in terms of just having a, a wider perspective of what makes a good business? Is yeah, that, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: And the long-termism, yeah. which is the case of the Finnish state, it ha- it's a long-term strategy investing in education it's not going to help you next quarter right it's going to he- it's going to help you 20 years down the line when these people are out of the loop
1: yeah.
0: you know uh, the same with r&d long term r&d and, and, and basic basic science it's it's uh, it's a lifelong mission and our corporations need to understand that better and the public private partnerships need to be understood in that context if we want to be sustainable and competitive uh, against countries that understand this I think in some ways better than we do. Yeah.
1: Having that sort of broad cult- cultural understanding uh, is, so, is so critical. It, all, it, it almost, sort of we had one of our interviews where um, just the, how strong India is, like the leapfrogging of India going, like the guy we spoke to didn't have phones when he was growing up. He was quite a young guy and, mm. and now they've got like much faster broadband than what what we 've got so that leapfrogging and being aware of the english speaking world as well as the non english speaking world and that that 's that's, that's quite it oh, 's terrific yeah. and, and
0: some of the stuff there is just mind boggling my my favorite uh, small technology story from india is uh, is the story of their of their of their prime minister Modi who uh, i don 't know not many people know this but he uh, he was he was unknown as an entre- he was an entrepreneur in his province, but was unknown nationally. And he wanted to fight the corruption in his country. You know, he had this social mission to really clean up politics, but nobody knew him. And the way you win elections there is that you got to go around the country and be seen physically, mm. and it's impossible to do that in, in in that in a country of that size. And even if you know you were able to get there, the, the, the logistics of getting from the airport to to these venues in each city is impossible. It's it's crazy to get <laughs> through those cities. So what he came up with was and this is two thousand twelve, this is early days, is a three D hologram technology. I don't have you heard about this? No no yeah. And he would, you know, he would speak in Mumbai, but at the same time, this would be broadcast as a 3D hologram in 26 other facilities. In some cases, you had people in stadiums filled with 80,000 people staring at a 3D hologram of this guy, feeling that he was present. And he won his election driven by that technology. It's a beautiful story. Beautiful story.
1: You've you've been in Adelaide for the last uh, few days. What's your sort of take both on a um, yeah from our entrepreneurial kind of stories that are coming from Adelaide or, or any other take on the city
0: i, I, I I'm su- completely surprised by the quality of, of this city and how connected it is to to the world how it's aggressively pursuing uh, scientific agendas uh, uh, entrepreneurial agendas to to make them as, our, our, as many of our companies are you know, uh, born global and, and that is, that is fascinating to me and I've already you know established some, some partnerships with a, a lot of the young startups to give them a, uh, a channel towards global success and at least European success from 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 the channels that, that, that I have available to, to me so I, I was very impressed by by the dedication of your decision makers to, to, to embark on this route and uh, yeah. Uh, I, I see a lot of positive uniqueness about about the, yeah. this city that makes it extremely attractive as a place to invest uh, do business uh, learn uh, in in, 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 a, in a magnificent setting so yeah, I, I see a, a great future for for this city uh, there 's also room i think for for improvement uh, I, I think uh, uh, we could be a bit more driven. We've seen that during. Can during, you explain uh, it a bit more? Uh, well, you know, we we had a we had a, a, a you know a a, a lab uh, a train a boot camp if you could call it that for the, for the startups that were that had made it through the initial rounds and we were all the the mentors were there and it's you know, we um, we've come a long way to to coach these people and n- you know, only one of the twelve startups were there at nine o'clock. On Saturday morning, yeah. I mean, understandable, but still, you know, in our call, in our in other elsewhere in the world, you know, you're there ahead of, yeah. of the mentor, you know, so <laughs> so you know it's, it's it's laid back, right? And it's it's laid back, and uh, it, it um, all of this is, of course, very uh, city and state driven, with a lot of financing from them, which is a great thing. But I, I think I think the um, the entrepreneurs and the business community of this city have to. You know, push this is hard, at, and even harder than what the elected officials are doing.
1: So, so it's a uh, incumbent upon the entrepreneurs to take the opportunities and, and to drive.
0: Yeah, that. and, and yeah. to take power. Yeah, yeah. From, you know, this event, Hybrid World, is a city and state-driven effort, which is, is 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 wonderful, and it's great. But I think that in the future, it should be driven by the entrepreneurs, yeah. by the by the tech community. Yeah. Uh, they they should be driving it with the support yeah, yeah. of the local entrep- uh, of, of the local authorities. So uh, not, not the other way around.
1: Yeah. So it's not about entitlement; it's about opportunity. Is that fair? Yeah. And
0: taking taking that opportunity.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I'm conscious of your, your time, so I'll I'll bring the discussion to, to to a close. But I've got a couple kind of questions. So oh, uh, please, uh, which started off as you as a young boy. What what are your sort of what are your um, suggestions for younger people? It could be children, or could be sort of just younger people uh, about what the priorities are moving forward. Where should they be focusing on?
0: Be proud of your positive uniqueness. Embrace it. We tend to be conformist as young as young people. We want to be like the guy next door, the girl next door, look like them, do like, you know, and because they, they seem to be getting a lot of attention right now or, or, or they be, seem to be doing what everybody's expected them to do. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying, you know, be a rebel for, the, for, for, for rebellion's sake, but, you know, find the things that make you unique and posit- positively unique. Embrace those, develop those, grow those, uh, Collect different kinds of experiences through your life, and the combination of these will make you positively unique and, in the end, highly competitive mm. uh, to make your dreams come true. Yeah, that's great.
1: I, I just sort of pick up on that the point. Uh, schools seem to. We do, as we said, we do, do quite a wide range of research, but one of the areas we we look at is is edu- education, and yes. we did some work recently and. It was asking kind of ch- children or not children, sort of uh, it was uni uni age and also school age, but do you wanna be an do you want to um what was it? Do you do you wanna create jobs or get a job? So we we explained what that meant, but yeah. Um and they were all and, and the way the culture had been created in their mind was you, you get a job. That's you, right. you, you finish finish school, you you get uni a job. And, and and you go out there and, and get a get a job and I get that sense that schools, about year nine in, in ten in Australia, and uh, they start getting told, "What are you going to do when you leave school?" And it's very vocational. Universities seem to be, in many ways, going vocational. Mm. How do you get people to go against like going down a vocational route when possibly those jobs might not be uh, the same by the time they get to? To finish uni or whatever it might be, how do you how do you get people to be sort of young people to be bold enough to kind of follow a route that's against the grain of their parents, their schools, their teachers?
0: Yeah, we've had something similar in Finland, where since the '90s, it's 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 the the whole entrepreneurship entrepreneurship scene has gone through a huge transformation. With you know, we we had a poll at the School of Economics in the '90s uh, when I was attending. asking students how many of you want to start your own business and it was a shocking three percent in business school and now it's you know 20 thirty percent depending on the business school in North America that percentage is 75 80 percent of people in business school and I, I believe that the media has a big in, a big impact on this you know celebrating entrepreneurship. Celebrating success stories, but also celebrating you know uh, acts of courage, uh, putting yourself out there, and and creating a positive image around entrepreneurship. That has been transformational, and it goes through event marketing. Slush has been a huge impact; uh, has, has a huge impact on on Finnish society when they when they see a festival around people who are taking risks, who are learning at at, at a rate that is. Unseen or unheard of in in, in other in, in other areas, and are creating the future and creating a a, a level of sexiness of around entrepreneurship that makes it an, an attractive career choice. Uh, that that really depends on how the media re- communicates these values to the general population
1: and and changing that cultural Absolutely. understanding of what that means. Yes. Uh, final sort of thing. Uh, uh, your book, you've, you've written a, a, a great book, successful book. Can you sort of share a bit about that book and how to? Is it available
0: in Australia? And- yes, it, it's on Amazon. It's The Finish Miracle, 100 Years of Success. It's on Amazon. And uh, now I'm, I'm sharing my, my, uh, my book on, on Santa Claus, which is uh, Santa's Dream, which is a, a book that teaches entrepreneurship based on the story of the greatest entrepreneur of all time, Santa Claus. And it teaches, it teaches how Santa, as a young boy, made his dream come true. Uh, talking about openness and taking yes. risks and be, you know working harder and smarter and, and being brave and sisu. And, and, and these are wonderful stories to tell children and i'm giving this as a gift to everybody who attended uh, uh hybrid world uh, in digital format and uh yeah it, it requires a, a lot of uh, a lot of time a lot of love uh, a, a wonderful group of people who support you who give you feedback uh and and tell you that you're not crazy uh, yeah. that you've got something going and encourage you and also correct you and and uh, uh edit you and and um, tell you how you can do better yeah
1: Oh, and I'll leave I'll leave listeners with the, the term SISU. So S I S U. So sort of look it up. I think it's a, a good one. It's about creating that kind of conflict, that sense of urgency, Correct. to make that change. Yes. How can people find you on Twitter or where's the best? My Twitter way?
0: handle is a n chaker a n chaker a n c h uh, a k e r. Connect with me on on LinkedIn. I'm very open for for uh, uh, contacts in in Australia, in industry, in technology. Uh, yeah, follow me on, on those on those channels. I have a lot uh, a lot coming up. Uh, a new book on uh, speaking and influence called "Speaker Dies" coming up uh, soon. And I I do a hundred events a year around the world, and I, I like to report about them as I'm reporting about this. So stay tuned.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Andre. Hey, All thank the best. You Jason.
0: Hey, thank you the same.
1: Hey, Jason. Here just to say goodbye. Until next time, please do not forget to subscribe to Real People via iTunes, or your favorite podcast platform. While you're there, please leave a review. If you're interested in receiving our every Friday, same time emails, topics from market research to human-centered design, innovation, entrepreneurialism, a whole lot of different topics by articles by me, Square Holes team, special guests from Justin Wilden to Steve Sammartino, Lisa Domenico, elaine steed uh been quite popular very committed every week for the last 18 months or so please go to squareholes.com forward slash blog to read and to join the email list you can also follow me via jason dunstone on twitter or your favorite social media thank you for listening aroo